This is Gene Lance on the Workers' Beat, and I cornered historian Dr. Michael Phillips this morning, and it's Black History Month. Dr. Phillips? Well, I mean, it's such a challenge, that term a little bit, because I feel like African-American history is American history. And one of the things that bothers me about the month is it essentially cordons off the story of African Americans into one, you know, side. It's like chapters in textbooks, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll say this happened, that happened, and so on. Oh, and by the way, there were black people, there were Latinx people, there were uh, there were women. And the way I've always taught it, the black story is threaded through because I've always seen African Americans as the central actors in American history. Slavery warped American labor markets. Slavery was the uh, involved in the first big exports from America. The bloodiest war in American history was fought over slavery and nothing but slavery. The terrorism and violence that has stained America was largely as a result of trying to suppress Black political rights afterwards. We created two separate school systems in states like Texas, you know, as an extenuation of white supremacy. And by the way, those Black freedom fighters who fought for the Civil Rights Bill, uh, the Voting Rights Bill, et cetera, actually benefited everyone in the United States, white working class, middle class, you know, et cetera. And so their struggle, their freedom struggle was the struggle to make America closer to a genuine democracy. And we haven't gotten there yet. The essence, you know, and I don't see it as separate from American history itself. Yeah, but there's there's an article in today's Washington Post about the guy who started, originally started Black History Week. Mm-hmm. I think his name might have been Edmondson or something. At that time, this was in the, like 1931 or something like that. At that time, when there was no mention of African Americans in history at all, right? It was prizing the door open, right? To begin to begin to to say something. So it was a very good thing when he came up with it. Sure. But today, we're at a point now. I think you're saying that we should see Black history as an integral part of all American history, right? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, uh, and American culture is Black culture. I mean, W.E.B. Du Bois said that in The Souls of Black Folk, that they, you know, there's basically no true American art but Black art. And I would say that politics of the United States have centered on African Americans. And by the way, the American obsession with uh, race and racism is, uh, has been the way the ruling class has diverted attention from the class struggle and has divided workers. And that's been a central part of uh, American class politics. So I want the greater emphasis and I think it's really obvious what's happened in the last few months with this full on assault on what's, just broadly labeled critical race theory, which is any discussion of racism at all. The country is undergoing a transformation. It's uncertain. You know, a more diverse population doesn't guarantee a more just or uh, inclusive society necessarily. But it's, it's clear there's a fear there. And they want to erase 
Black History Now, which is what these this panic about CRT is really about, um, because they want to erase a useful past. They don't want stories of resistance being part of the school curriculum. I when I wrote my book on Dallas White Metropolis, I went through a hundred years of Dallas approved school textbooks, many of them written outside of the state of Texas, and. <clears throat> That was racial propaganda. That was in the form of textbooks. The, those books were trans, uh, basically conveyor belts of white supremacist ideas. They, they ridiculed black people. They said they had had no cultural achievements in Africa, that their story was the suffering of slavery was erased, the Klan was minimized. And so the claim that somehow textbooks now, which still aren't very good, are basically the introduction of political propaganda into the schoolhouse is laughable because it always has been. School textbooks have always been about promoting racist ideas. And it's only recently with the work of scholars uh, from the African-American community, the Latinx community, the gay community, and so on, that you've actually had a greater accuracy in those books. So it's, it's a real tragedy. Uh, Seems like a good time to plug your book. Oh, thank you. Metropolis. And I would like to say thank you, if I haven't before, because prior to this book, I found literally nothing about Black history in the whole history of Dallas. And everything you looked at about Dallas was just a giant hole where there was nothing. And then you stepped in with your book, White Metropolis. What's your opinion of the literature now? Do you think Dallas is well covered? A lot of work still needs to be done. I will applaud a book by a woman named Patricia Hill. Her book covered the labor movement and covered uh, important figures on the left. She did a wonderful job of uncovering working class history, and that's even less explored than Dallas's racist past. I think we have to all be alarmed at the censorship that's happening you know, because it's been such a struggle to get those stories out in the first place mm-hmm. and to have all that effort erased will leave, I, I think, uh, you know, we'll talk about my situation later, but it will leave uh, anyone teaching at the college level uh, with a group of students who'll be the least informed in a century. And uh, my students already come to my classes not knowing what a labor union is not knowing what a strike is, or they know, but you know they have a negative connotation with it. They've never heard of the AFL-CIO. Would you mind talking just a minute about your resume? As uh, Because I noticed uh, that you have quite a lot of output beyond just the book, White Metropolis. Well, uh, I did uh, a book focusing on the history of the Texas House Speakers, uh, that was actually commissioned work, but I, I think that that's an office that's overlooked. People look at the governor and lieutenant governor, but it really is an epicenter of power. And of course, uh, very much influenced by corporate donations, you know, the corporate elites in the class. So that was called The House Will Come to Order. We did a collection of essays. Uh, some of my colleagues at Collin College and I called The Texas Right. You know, and I looked at uh, uh, racism as a unifying principle in right-wing politics in Texas. There were other essays and anti-New Dealers and 
you know, other, other uh, right-wing activists, uh, right-wing ministers and so on. That book was pretty effective. I'm currently doing a book on with, uh, with my co-author, who's my wife, Betsy Freoff, on the history of eugenics in Texas. And what sh- that is, that movement was aimed at selective, selectively breeding humans to produce a superior human race, but it was also really expressly anti-working class. Uh, the working class as a group was perceived as biologically inferior. And there was a big effort to disenfranchise all but the wealthy to really codify once again, rule only by the wealthiest uh, legally to disenfranchise marginal, you know, people who are seen as marginally white. And so that's our big focus right now is working on that book. And it's quite but you're, you're being interrupted by, by Collin College itself, which is sort of made a bad name for itself by firing and discontinuing some of their instructors. Are you one of the victims? Yeah, I just recently got informed that my contract will not be renewed. Let me get, let me interrupt you because I want to get this most important thing in at the last, that there's going to be a fight back over this. You're not just going to go quietly. No, uh, we're, we're going to sue. We're going to sue. The, the tipping point was literally... I recommended masks to my students because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And that was the final thing, you know, after they've been after me since I advocated the removal of Confederate statues. So this has been an ongoing struggle for free speech. We've had four professors fired over free speech issues in the last two years. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.